This episode of the Exhausted Educators Recharge Show is brought to you by Stetson & Associates. Does your school need some extra help in a variety of areas, maybe in things like providing supports and accommodations or work with collaborative instruction, you know, like co-teachers working together or a teacher and a para working together as a successful team, maybe even need some help with building inclusive systems within your school? What about this one? Staffing issues. We've all got those. No matter what the questions are that you're facing, Stetson can help you find answers and help you develop a strategic plan that's tailor-made for your school and the challenges that you're facing. To learn more about Stetson & Associates, go to stetsonassociates.com and find out how their team can help you and your staff and your students meet the goals that you're striving for. And when you're lucky enough to talk with one of their fantastic employees, please make sure to tell them that you heard all about Stetson from the Exhausted Educators Recharge Show. To all the Exhausted Village, I'm, that's what I'm going to call your fans, Kyle, the Exhausted Village. Shout out to the Exhausted Educators. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're going to love the Exhausted Educators channel. Class is in session. Here's the short bald dude from the Exhausted Educators show. What is going on, education heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educators Recharge show. In this episode, we are bringing in someone who's going to be honest, transparent, and to the point, and I guarantee you're going to laugh and learn some new acronyms. I got to tell you, I wrote more notes during this episode than I have in all my years podcasting. Dr. Amy Matthews Perez is an amazing person who has an incredible journey and has learned a variety of things on all her different stops. She's going to share all about the things she's learned. She's going to share all about you know, building special experiences. She's going to share about so many different things that are going to be meaningful for you. And as Amy actually mentions in this episode, in this interview, she was a presenter for our virtual bash. She actually gives us like a little promo ad at the end. You're going to love hearing her talk about it. But I want you to know, if you haven't registered for the virtual bash yet, where you give 50 workshops from amazing people from all over the place, just giving you quick, powerful workshops. That's still available. You go to rechargedfamily.podia.com. It's in the show notes if you need it. And plug in the coupon code BASH, and you'll get all of it for 8 bucks. You're going to want to check out her workshop and so many others. And I'll give you a little tip. A lot of the people we're having on this season are people that provided workshops. So you'll get to be able to hear them here, and you'll be able to get to hear them there. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Dr. Amy Matthews Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited to have Dr. Amy Matthews Perez with me today. She is just filled with awesome knowledge. She is a realistic, straight-to-the-point kind of person, and you are going to love hearing what she has to say. Thank you, Amy, for jumping on with me. Well, Kyle, I'm honored to be a guest. Thank you so much for having me. We always start off, Amy, with just kind of having our guests share their ed journey, and you've got a very unique one. You've had a lot of different stops along the way. 
you want to share with the audience kind of where you were at all the way up to what you're doing now? Sure. I'd be happy to. I'll start with a story. Uh, right after I got my uh, EDD, um, I was in a district and they asked me to do the um, speech for the incoming Junior Honor Society. So, I, of course, I said yes, right? And a friend of mine, her daughter was getting um, inducted in the Junior Honor Society and she was in the audience. So they read my resume or whatever you want to call it, all my different jobs and experiences and introduced me and then I did my spiel. Well, later that night, my friend called me and said that her daughter, who was in the audience, a friend next to her daughter leaned over while they were reading my resume and said, this lady can't hold a job. What is she going to teach us? <laughs> <laughs> so out of the mouths of babes, right? right. When they're junior high. So yes, I do have a, I'm starting my 31st year, which is hard to believe. Hmm. My 31st year serving public education. Um, I'm the youngest of six. Um, in my family, I'm not, I don't consider myself the baby. I just consider myself to have been born last. Um, but yes, I started as a general ed teacher in junior high at the end of January, one school year, they'd had subs all year and I graduated and I was going to save the world of education and went in as a sub for PE in my dress and heels, rolled out the basketball every 45 minutes and then got it back. I mean, we're talking back in the day. Okay. <laughs> Um, and the second day I subbed, they said, Hey, we, we heard you have a teaching degree. The adults did. And I said, I do got hired on the spot, started teaching theater and speech into sixth, seventh and eighth grade in junior high. So that year doesn't count for my retirement, but I'm not mad about that. I really think junior high years, Kyle should count like dog years. <laughs> so one year teaching junior high should count like three for your retirement, but they didn't ask me. So that's not the case, but I did start teaching junior high school, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I was a cheerleading sponsor. Um, I was the future problem solver sponsor, future problem solving sponsor. Say that five times fast. <laughs> I helped with adopt a school, did that um, all the while going to college. Um, when I was preparing for visiting with you, I went back in time and was reflecting. Do you know I was in college for 26 years? Oh, wow. wow. One class or more for 26 years. What? what? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I mean, if that doesn't mean I'm a learner, I don't know what does, but anyway, all the while I was going to school. Then I got my, um, my master's in speech pathology and audiology because I'm a word nerd and I love language. And I always knew that, well, that's not true. I didn't always know that that's what I was going to do. I always knew I was going to be a teacher. Matter of fact, since fifth grade, I knew I was going to work with students with special needs from a friend of mine named Barbara who died of a, of, um, brain cancer. Hmm. I don't know how, I didn't know how, I didn't know when, but I knew, I knew that was my calling. Hmm. I'm exceptionally empathetic, but I also have very high standards. So I'm a bit of a, an anomaly. That's a better <laughs> word than weirdo. Um, but <laughs> I knew I was going to work with kids with special needs, but I just didn't know how, but I, I need to get back to my teaching career. Not my, not the way I grew up. So I got my master's in speech pathology and audiology. Um, I was an SLP for quite a while. Then I was uh, an SLP supervisor in a very large district, which meant I supervised basically everything with the word therapy in it eventually because I became a special ed specialist. That's a fun title. <laughs> um, then um, I met my Prince Charming, my husband of 22 years, and moved away to where he lived, where I worked. And when we were there, I worked for a county juvenile alternative center. Hmm. Now, let me say that again, a county alternative school. Right. So that's where all the school districts, when those darlings didn't get along and the districts needed to put them somewhere else, they came to me. I was the uh, education coordinator 
took that job. Um, my supervisor said, do this for one year and I will be the best reference you've ever had. But I was the education coordinator there, did my first uh, physical restraint restraint with Veronica on my 31st birthday. I, I, I do remember that like it was yesterday. Um, did that for a year. And then I got back into public schools as a speech pathologist. So as a speech path, I was working at an elementary campus, one of two. And that principal tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to be his assistant principal. Meanwhile, I'm still in college, right? So <laughs> yes, I have that certification. So we did that. I was his AP for a couple of years. Our director of special education was um, not stellar. And so when that job came open, I was like, me, 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 please, 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 please. So I interviewed and got hired as a special ed director in that district and was there for a couple of years, relocated to a little bit larger district, served as the special ed director there for nine years. And then um, we moved back home to central Texas where my parents live and uh, most of my siblings are in this general area. And I became a principal for five years. So that was really fun. And it was an elementary school. It was a magnet fine art school. So there we go. There's the fine arts thread again. So <laughs> I had a blast. One of my, um, one of the teachers at my school, she was a third grade teacher. She was my third grade teacher, Kyle. Wow. So I was now her principal. <laughs> so it was fabulous, but it was also awkward. Yeah. So um, we were walking down the hall not too not too long after I was hired, and her name is Miss Jennings. Miss Jennings, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot as my third grade teacher and as a teacher on my campus. Um, she dried some tears for me too. I mean, she she really made an impact on me. But a couple of days after I was hired, we were walking down the hall, and she said, "Doctor Perez," and I said, "Well, yes, ma'am." She goes looked me up and down. She goes, I believe I'm just going to call you Amy. And I said, yes, ma'am. I mean, what do you say to your editor, right? Uh, you have no <laughs> so choice. Little, yeah, no choice. Not to Miss Jennings. No, that, you say yes, ma'am to Miss Jennings. But I um, had a great time as a principal. Um, but then had the opportunity to return to my special ed roots. And um, that's where I am now. I'm the director of special programs in another local school district here in central Texas. Awesome. It, it, there is, I know that you've had a lot of, a lot of different stops and, and, uh, because you've had a lot of different stops, I'm going to, I'm going to assume you've learned a ton of different things along the way. I'm not going to ask you to spend hours to go into it, but because your, right. your journey is very, very unique. Would you mind just sharing maybe a couple things that you learned at some of the different places? Absolutely. I would be happy to, um, you're right. I've learned a lot and your show's not that long. So I tried <laughs> to narrow it down to three. three. Sounds good. So the first one, which I have learned, this might be my most recent, well, I learned something today, but you don't care about that. But one of my larger, most recent lessons, when I moved into this new position, this I'm starting my fifth year with this district. My mission was, or was that when I was a principal? It was when I was a principal. Here it is. Here's the, here's the meat. Be a sponge, not a spray bottle. Hmm be a sponge, not a spray bottle. As a leader, I really had to repeat that to myself because I'm a go-getter. I'm a doer. I'm let's take action. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. So, so that's definitely something I have learned and it has served me very, very well. Be a sponge, soak it in, look, take in everything around you, be a sponge, not a spray bottle. Don't bark orders. Don't, you know, 
get ugly with people. You don't have to do that. You don't have to attack people. You don't have to do any of that. Be a sponge, not a spray bottle. And it doesn't matter if you're a leader, quote unquote, in a leader position or a teacher Mm -hmm. or a parent. It doesn't matter. Focus on being more so a sponge than a spray bottle. So that would definitely be one of my takeaways. And then another takeaway, which is probably not going to be very popular, but that's okay. okay. What is it? Was it Nick Saban that said, if you want to be popular, sell ice cream? Somebody has a quote like that. I'm not sure. It sounds right. Yeah. I don't sell ice cream. But my second (laughs) big takeaway so far in my 30 years is, in my humble opinion, Kyle, people don't seem to tend to naturally rise to high expectations. Hmm. I'm, I'm figuring out that they need encouragement. They need celebration. They need empowerment. They need learning opportunities. They need failure opportunities. They need support when they fail. And they have to be invested in the vision enough to be willing to fail. So I can have a haul, all the high expectations I I want to communicate or do communicate, but they're not going to rise to those expectations just because I have them. I've got to empower them. I've got to facilitate them using their strengths to meet those expectations and collaborate about what those expectations are. Right. So that would be my second takeaway. And then my third one would be, um, I used to have this sign on my phone as my, um, what's that called? Your wallpaper. Yeah. When I was a principal, almost all five years, this was my wallpaper. It says we can do hard things. Hmm. So that sounds very simple, but it's so true. Whether they're small, hard things or big, hard things, we can do hard things because Again, in my opinion, the hard things are the catalysts for the big changes. So we can do hard things and we need to do hard things. We don't have to do it by ourselves. We can do it with our friends, our peers, our coworkers, people that we trust, people that we can learn and fail with, but we can do hard things. Don't shy away from the hard things. Just get help to get them done because those are the catalysts for big changes. Hard things lead to big changes. So. Those would probably be my three biggest takeaways. And that was really hard, by the way, to narrow that down to some, some, just a few. But I did it for you. <laughs> those Kyle, are, I narrowed it down to three. I appreciate, I appreciate that. That those are amazing, those are by the way. Um, the last one in particular, you know, there's something to. Here's what happens with so many people. If you know, whatever it is that you want to tackle is going to be, it's huge. It's hard. It, it's hard to throw yourself into it, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes the bigger the task, the more intimidating it is. And I always, I always say, whether it be with the staff that I work with or kids, I say, you know what? It's just one piece. You just start. <laughs> you just start and get yourself moving in that direction. You can't tackle it all in one. You just got to go for it. I, and there's so many big things in education but it's needed. It's absolutely needed. I, I love that. It's and I wrote, needed. yeah. And, and I wrote down, you know, uh, spr- be a sponge, not a spray bottle. I, I love that. That's fantastic. So yeah, it, it, it helped me. It helped me, I think, become a better leader. I mean, I still say it today. I mean, there are times when I literally, I know our listeners can't see me, but I literally have to put my fingers on my mouth to make sure I remain a sponge <laughs> and listen instead of you know, pontificating my opinion or what I think or anything like that. It's very, very important. And sometimes, honestly, that's the hard thing. Hmm. 
that I need to do for the other big changes to happen. Yep. So we can do hard things. We can. Yep. We can. Yep. So you work in a similar situation as far as a department as I do, and, and mm-hmm. we're both fully invested in you know supports and building supports for staff, building supports for students with needs. Working with students with needs can be really challenging, whether it be academic mm-hmm. challenges, behavioral challenges. Do you have just any, just some basic advice that you'd like to throw out as far as working with students with needs? Of course. You, if you ask for advice, I've got it. I'm, I'm your <laughs> advice person. I'm not saying it's all good either. I'm just going to give you some. You take with it and do with it what you'd like. The first one, and I didn't even have to write this one down, is Q-tip. Quit taking it personally. Mm. Okay? That circles back to my mantra of, when I'm working with staff, it's we go, not ego. Check mm. your ego at the door. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what are we going to do collectively to serve this need, whether it's a student need or a staff need or a parent need. It's we go, not ego. So the first advice is quit taking to quit taking it personally. If you're taking it personally, then you think the world revolves around you. Mm-hmm. So newsflash, it doesn't. That child's not acting out because of you you know, just take a step back and quit taking it personally. But there were a couple also that I wrote down and they're reflective questions. So not everybody's willing to reflect, but I think it's super important. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say, if you want to make a positive impact on students, whether they have unique needs or not, ask yourself, what do I need when I am less than my best? And I, I just want people to reflect. Okay. When I'm less than my best, and whatever that means to you, a bad day, bad mood, whatever that means, what do I need? Do I need to be alone? Do I need to have a temper tantrum? Do I need a hug? Do I need to take a walk? Just reflect on that. When I'm less than my best, what do I need? And then the next question is, how do you communicate what your needs are? When we're talking about adults, I'm asking adults to Mm -hmm. reflect what do you do when you're less than your best? What do you need when you're less than your best? And how do you communicate that? Do you, do you tell somebody in a nice voice or a mean voice? Do you yell? Do you scream? Do you isolate yourself? How do you communicate your needs? Do you like escape into music or, or into Facebook or into social media? When do you communicate those needs? Do you communicate them in the heat of the moment? Or do you communicate them before or after? And then the last question, reflective question would be, who do you communicate those needs to? And that's a trick question, honestly, because I'm going to tell you the answer. You communicate those needs to the people that you care about and you know that care about you. You're not going to communicate those needs to strangers. Yep. So after people reflect on those questions, then what I say is now take your answers and put yourself in the shoes of your students. If you don't have a relationship with them, you're a stranger. They're not going to communicate any of that to you. And then you're going to get frustrated and you're going to fall back on the things I've always done, which is not a forward. That doesn't take us forward, right? That's just a cycle. So definitely some of my feedback would be put yourself in their shoes, learn how they process, right? Learn what intrinsically motivates them. Take yourself out of it. It's not, Oh, you successfully calm this child down. No, It's not about you. Take your ego out. What have we done? What have we learned about this student or peer? Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, That's another thing is I'm always consistently bringing up the peer comment because so many educators and there's I'm not judging or blaming or faulting anybody. We talk about what can we do with kids and for kids and et cetera, et cetera. And then 
in my what I call my Amy brain, Kyle. I call it my Amy brain. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just very, very unique. Um, <laughs> I always put in coworkers. What what can we do when our when our kids lose their temper? What can I do when coworkers? I always type back to adults because I think as adults we have more empathy for other adults than we do for kids. Yeah. So if we can think about okay, if this were my co-teacher, how would I handle that? And maybe take that approach with the child. And I'm just talking about your mindset, mm-hmm. not necessarily the actual activity. So so pay attention, get to know the kids, have a relationship, um, suspend your judgment. Hmm. And do not think that your experience is their experience because it's not. And yours is not better or worse, same mantra, but they have their own experience. And that's very, very hard. Again, you've got to suspend your ego, your perspective, right? And your opinion to really try to understand. You don't have to agree with them, but you got to try to understand where they're coming from. And that's how you get that relationship. And then when you get that relationship, they're going to start to tell you how to help them when to help them and then you can provide and meet those needs for them. So yeah. that would probably be the short version yeah. of my advice. <laughs> it's all good it's stuff all though. Good stuff. You know, well, it, it, it is interesting. We say this over and over in, in education, but it's so true. You, the importance of connections, right? Like the importance of, as you're saying, relationships with having a relationship with a student to the point where they're able to express their needs they're not going to express their needs to somebody who they don't have a relationship with right there are a variety of reasons why we need good people connecting with kids that is a real one when you talk and when i say you know discussing their needs that could be their academic needs could be behavioral needs be mental health could be anything that's on their mind in general that's going to help them it's not coming out unless they trust you, right? So I, all right. really good stuff, all really good stuff. You know, you, yeah. have, you have this, this statement, you say, we all want our own experiences to be special, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Could, could you kind of elaborate on that? Sure. When you, when you think, I'm going to put you on the spot, Kyle. Okay. When you think, I want you to think of someone that's special to you. Don't tell me who it is, because then okay. the other people that are special will be jealous. <laughs> but just think of someone. I'm going to give you just a few seconds. Think of someone. Okay. Now tell me two words that come to mind when you think of that person. Hmm. Uh, compassionate. And th- this is kind of, maybe I'll use a hyphen on this to make it to a second. Okay. Hardworking. Okay. Hardworking. Okay. Compassionate and hardworking. Okay. And what kind of feelings bubbled to the top when you thought about this person? Uh, Good really, ones, bad ones? Yeah. Nothing but positive, right? The positive, caring um, just, just feeling like this person will give you everything. Right. Well, lucky you and lucky them that you'll have that relationship. Right. So what I did not hear you say is, oh, this person is very special, but boy, are they a pain. <laughs> They're a burden. They make me nervous. They're too much. Oh, I'm scared of legal issues with this person. Hmm. It's just too much. I'll give some, but I'm not going to, none of that came out of your mouth. Right. So when I talking when I talk about making education special for everyone, I want to put that definition of special into education, not what do people think of when they hear special education? Because hmm. we all know what they think of. We don't need to verbalize that. Yep. I want to make education bring that special feeling, thoughts and emotions out in every single person that works, every paraprofessional, every child, every teacher, every administrator, every one of 
people like you and me because yep. we don't really fit all any of those roles right we're yep. in the middle so that's what i mean when i say i want to make it special i want our experiences to bring feelings that nurture us and feelings that help us grow bring us experiences that help us grow so that's what i mean when i say i want we naturally want our experiences to be special right that's why we go special places and do special things with special people because we're anticipating something special. And I know I'm overusing the word. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's <all good>. But <laughs> so we expect to have the, all these things because we're adults, whether it's extra time to complete this, or if we need to set an alarm on our phone, or we work with a peer to help us collaborate. We expect these things because we're professionals and because we're adults. But you know what those are. Those are all accommodations. Hey, Exhausted Village. I want to pause this episode just for a second. To remind you, if you go to rechargedfamily.podia.com, you can find our virtual bash, which has over 50 workshops from educational leaders all over the country, providing you information and resources, and you can get it all for only $8 if you put in the promo code BASH, B-A-S-H. And also at rechargedfamily.podia.com, you'll find our full student mentoring program. If you've ever thought about bringing a student mentoring program into your school or your, for your kids in your classroom, we have everything you need from training videos to the documents, everything for the mentors, everything for even what we call the site leader, who's the person who can run the whole program for you, like a parent or a community member or a paraeducator at your school. We give you everything. And again, you can get it at a discount rate because you're a valued listener of our podcast. If you put in the coupon code MENTOR, you're going to get that entire program for an amazing discount for only $10. Again, check all that out at rechargefamily.podia.com. Sorry for breaking into the show, everybody, but I want to remind you this episode is brought to you by Stetson & Associates. No matter what the challenges are that you and your team faces, Stetson & Associates can help you devise and develop a plan that's going to be tailor-made for you and your staff. To find out more about Stetson and the amazing resources that they provide, go to stetsonassociates.com. Now, let's get back to the action. But we know what we need, so we expect it to happen Hmm. because we communicated it. Why can't we respect that for kids that can't communicate it themselves? Kids have adults with expertise make those recommendations to help the children in the classroom. So why do those, and they can't see my fingers, but I'm doing air quotes, special needs or special things we provide, why do we perceive those as so burdensome? We expect it as adults because we know that's what's going to make us successful. Why can't we be okay with providing it for the students when we know based on data, don't, don't get me started talking about opinion based on data. That's going to help those students be successful. So let's make, let's make it special without it being a burden. Let's make it special because it it's meaningful and because it's effective and because it helps us grow. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And you're right. We, we make special accommodations for each other all the time in life. It's so common. You know, and we just take them for granted. Yes, because we're we're grown ups, we're adults, and we, um, I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll say it. We think we're entitled. <laughs> yes, I'm an adult. <laughs> you do this for me because I'm an adult. I have this degree. You have this. You know, we just presume that we deserve them. So, and we don't 
expect it to be burdensome for someone. You need to just give me what I told you I need in order to be happy. You want me to be effective? Then you're going to give me a four-day work week. That kind of thing. And it's just it's just astonishing to me that we can't have that same, not that perspective, but a positive perspective right. on giving students what they need. Yep. Now, if you disagree that that's what a child or a student needs, then there's an avenue for that. Let's talk about that. But don't talk to me about opinion because opinion doesn't carry a lot of weight. I need data. And there's a movie out there where they say, show me the money. Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, Oh goodness. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yes. I've never seen it, but I've used this phrase so much. People remind me that's what it is. I say, show me the data (laughs) because without the data, I mean, this is very slang, but I can be very transparent with you without the data. We ain't doing it. That's that's what I say. No data, no doing it. So, it, but it also, if people will, you know, spin their perspective, data takes the personal out of it. Mm, it's true. If I give you my opinion that tomatoes are horrible because they're not finished in the middle, we can argue that all day long. But if I show you the data that tomatoes give me hives or whatever they do to me, which they don't really, I'm making that up. You're not going to argue with that. That's data. So if you, if you're worried about, oh, they're not going to like my opinion or, oh, I don't know that they'll believe me, then bring the data. Don't bring your opinion. Show me the data. I like it. I like it. Oh, you you are you're filled with knowledge and filled with laughs. And I've written so much down. <laughs> your little <laughs> just your your little uh, slogans and lo- just along the way. Goodness gracious! All right, so we talked a little bit about special. You know, trying to trying to make sure that um, we create also create maybe special experiences for kids supporting kids and so forth. You want to dive into that a little bit too? Absolutely. But first I want to talk about the grownups. Absolutely. When we talk about special, um, another thing that gets associated with that is documentation. And I'm going to go just on a baby, baby little side road, a baby little gravel or caliche road. (laughs) When we talk about documentation, that's also typically super duper scary. So I've got a couple of tips when I talk about um, and train staff about documentation, I always give them a bag of M&Ms because I, oh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that name. Maybe they'll sponsor you, Kyle. I, <laughs> um, I tell them to keep your data meaningful and manageable. And every time you see M&Ms, that's what I want you to think. Because the question is always, what should I write? Whatever is meaningful and do it in a manageable way for you. Hmm. Um, and then another thing that I've come up to help folks with their um, documentation is coats. Because I do love acronyms. I actually think in acronyms. If, I've, if you've not heard the story on the other podcast, I'll make it true for yours too. So my husband and I were at a party and I was ready to go. And I, I looked at him. I said, TTG. And he was like, what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I said, TTG. He goes, okay, what does that mean, babe? I said, that means time to go. He said, you know, you can just say those <laughs> words. You don't have to come up with an acronym for everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That's just how my brain works. Um, but I do have an acronym for documentation and I, I've, that I have. It's called COATS, C-O-A-T-S. And it stands for make sure your documentation is clear, objective, accurate, true, and succinct. And then I go in and explain ex- each one of those. But if you if you use COATS, then you'll have it all covered. Is kind of the way I want to train people to do a documentation. And it helps them remember, right, once you have the whole training. But COATS and M&Ms. Um, But when we talk about making it special, here's my big word. It's empathy. Mm -hmm. If you're not having fun, they're not having fun. And that's just the truth. And if you don't believe that, then then you're not ready. You're not ready to make it a great experience. 
but you, we have to learn what intrinsically motivates someone. And my notes here, it says student, but I've already told you, I also believe staff. Hmm. We have to understand what intrinsically motivates people. That's how we're going to connect. That's how we're going to encourage and empower. Um, because you have to make it special for you too, as the teacher or the trainer or the presenter or whatever, you have to make it special for you and for the person that you're working with. So learn what intrinsically motivates them. And here's the part that a lot of people miss. You have to act on what you learn. Hmm. And the silly example that I've used before is I can't just learn Kyle, that your favorite drink from Sonic is a unsweetened tea with blue coconut and vanilla and sugar-free cherry. That's only 10% of the thing is me learning that. The other 90% is me acting on that, mm -hmm. getting you that drink that I would definitely have to write down in my contacts because I'll never remember that. Um, but it, that's the thing, learning what intrinsically motivates people and acting on it. That's going to help make experiences special. Um, and then making sure the experience is relevant. I'm so big on relevancy. I, I can't explain why. I probably could, but you don't have time for that. If the learning is not relevant, they're not going to connect to it. And if they're not going to connect to it, they're not going to learn it. Hmm. So it's got to be relevant for you and relevant for them, which means what? You're going to have to be creative. Does that mean you're going to have to be super uber creative, like create something no one's ever done? No, but you've got to make it fun for you too. You've got to make it fun. you got to make it interesting. Um, I have lots of stories from junior high when I did that. Most of the time it worked. Not all the time, but it's fine. <laughs> um, you have to be spontaneous. You have to be creative. And you have to let the kids sometimes take the lead. That's another thing that a lot of people forget. Don't be scared to let them take a lead. You can give them a controlled lead, but let them take a lead when and where you can. Every opportunity you can, honestly. And then the biggest one is fail first. Mm -hmm. That's how you make something special is you fail first and you make it a safe environment for people to take risks to learn. So be willing to fail, be willing to tell um, a coworker, maybe I'll say this is a fake story, um, <laughs> that you don't know how to use this product that the district has had for four years. You know, be willing to be vulnerable with your students, also with your coworkers. No, I don't know how to do whatever it is. Can somebody teach me and make it again relevant, fun, and something they're going to use beyond that. You want them to, what they learn in your class, what they learn in your, in your experience is something that they're going to apply at some point in their day or their life. That's kind of where I always went when I was a classroom teacher. It's got to be something they're going to apply. Even if it's correcting me, I used to have a really bad habit of popping. Oh, you saw me do that, right? Pop yeah. my shoulder. Yes. And it yeah. goes, and I, I mean, and, Maybe at some point in my life, they called me chicken wing because I did it so much, <laughs> did it so much. So when I taught junior high, I needed to break that habit. So I had them count how many times I popped my shoulder in class. <laughs> they were riveted to me, Kyle. They were <laughs> riveted. And I don't remember what incentive I gave them, but it was something like for every time I do it, you get that many minutes or seconds of not free time because I don't believe in free time, but something. I incentivized them enough where they were riveted <laughs> to my shoulder. And that's a silly example, but you have to make it relevant. Yeah. And if they know they're helping you, then they feel like a true contributor. Yeah. And then, then you get a community of learners. You're learning, they're learning. It's not just one person, you know, pushing out information and other people were pretending or consuming it. That's not a special environment. That's not a special learning situation. So that would be my advice on how to make things special for anybody. Remember, not just students, but your coworkers too. Yeah. 
apply those same rules and you'll get a better community with the people that you work with. Fantastic stuff from you, Dr. Amy. My goodness. I, I probably have written more notes in all my years podcasting. I don't think I've written this many notes as I have <laughs> just talking with you for a little bit. And also thanks for all the laughs. Let's finish up real quick. If anybody wants to connect with you, uh, get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? The best way, because I'm not um, super proficient on all the social media platforms, is X or Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Me too. So reach out to me on Twitter. It's um, Dr. Amy MP at Dr. Grow to Know. Okay. And we that's will... the best way. And then um, we can message back and forth and get connected other ways. That works too. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm just not as super active there. So. Gotcha. I apologize, but I'm trying to get better. I did download an app that allowed me to post to multiple platforms at the same time. Huh. I haven't quite figured it out, but um, Twitter is Twitter X, whatever we're going to call yes. it. That's definitely the best way. And Perfect. then we can establish a better connection and we can email and whatever else we need to do to make the world of education a better place. Sounds good. And I'll, I'll put that down in the show notes for everybody in case anybody wants to connect with awesome. you. Thank you so much for spreading your knowledge, for bringing some laughs and just for being your amazing self, Amy. Appreciate having cool. you on. I'm grateful to be here, Kyle. It's been fun. I'm getting to know more about you and, uh, I definitely want to say thank you for having me as a presenter in your virtual bash, Oh, yeah, your virtual absolutely. back to school bash. Yes. Um, I ask you to be on that. And you were kind enough and brave enough, should I say, to say yes. So thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, I'm loving watching those videos on my own time, at my own pace. Um, I was watching Brian Martin's. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brian Martin. And I had to rewind it a couple times because there were so many. Um, what does he call them when he posts them on Twitter? Diamonds, yes. I think. I think it is. I think it's diamonds, yes. My gosh, there were so many. I had to keep pause and rewind and pause and rewind <laughs> and pause and rewind so they would sink in. So I really appreciate you um, allowing me to be a part of that. And listeners, if you have not signed up for that, what are you doing? <laughs> if you haven't signed up for that, really, what are you doing? You've got to sign up. It's more than 50 videos at your fingertips whenever you want to watch, however you want to watch it, whatever pace, all year. All year. Yeah. Todo años. Okay. All year. <laughs> Todo año, not años. All year. So do it. Sign up. And if you watch my video about getting good goals, you know, connect with me on Twitter. Yep. You want me to look at your goals? I'll help you. You can help me. We got to connect. Make it happen. Watch the bash. <laughs> I think I'm going to cut pieces of that and use it as a promo on social media, Amy. Thank you. And You're yes, welcome. check out hers and many of the other amazing workshops as you all know if you're a regular listener. Thanks again, yeah. Amy. Appreciate you. Thank you, Kyle. Party time. It's like oh, 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 sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. Watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs>
We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.